sovereign God we thank you for this time and this moment we thank you for this glorious opportunity to address the people of the Lord speak through these lips of clay oh God let me speak the full counsel declaring your word precise and with convictions in Jesus name amen God bless you this morning Please have your seats. I wish to honor the Lord who is the head of all things. He is the sovereign one who created us, molded us, and fashioned us in his own image. So we honor him on today. And much honor also to the presiding bishop, you see, I say presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ worldwide, everywhere, in the four corners of the world. And certainly the angel of this wonderful, magnificent church, West Angeles, the Honorable Bishop Charles E. Blake. Would you just come on appreciate him through me? today. We honor our leader. We honor 
respect him. I wish to thank God for Lady Mae Blake as well this morning, who's always right by his side. And then I want to thank God for my wife of 44 years, Lady Arabella. To the ministerial staff, this great church, and to all other people of the Lord, I am just so wonderfully thrilled to be standing in this place on today. It is such an honor, and I will reverence this day for many days to come to be speaking at the presiding bishop's church West Angeles, the largest church in our brotherhood. I am just overwhelmed with pride. And I thank God for Bishop Blake a year ago consecrated me to the sacred office of Bishop. And I shall do those things that a consecrated bishop should do. I will always be thankful and grateful to him and supporting everything that he does. I, I think uh, our presiding bishop is one of the busiest ones in recent times. He travels the length and breadth of our church. He's taking care of the fairs of the church and a man who loves people all over the country and I know West Angeles is his place, but uh, I want you to know West Angeles that all over the world, he is loved and respected. And I just thank God for him. What a visionary to say the least. What a visionary, a lover of God and a lover of the people of the Lord. I will go hurriedly to the word of the Lord. I do not count it a small thing ever when I address the best that God has, and that is his people. Don't you know you're the apple of his eye? Don't you know that the Lord loves you unconditionally? And he said, in that day, when I make up my jewels, you shall be mine. I tell you, we, we, we mean something to God. And uh, we wish we want to serve him. We want to acknowledge him and worship him all the days of our lives. I'd like to go now to an Old Testament scripture taken from 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 5, 6, and 7. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Meshir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence and said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. 
And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all of the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table, bread at my table continuously. These are the words, the engrafted words, the spoken words through the word of the Lord. We should talk about just briefly this morning, a simple subject is this. God knows where you are. Listen, he knows. He knows where you are. You can be sure God has a sovereign awareness. He has a sovereign awareness as to where you are. You can't hide from him. You can't escape from his almighty power. No sabbatical, no leave of absence can take you out of his view. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. And then another very Familiar scripture tells us that the eyes of the Lord gazing, visualizing. The eyes of the Lord is in every place beholding the good and the not so good. David, David, the chief musician says in Psalms 139, he said, oh Lord. Thou hast touched me and known me. Thou knoweth my down sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compass my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. He goes on to say, for, for there is not a word in my tongue. But lo, o Lord, thou knoweth it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. God is truly sovereign. And to further articulate this sovereignty, there are three flawless character traits that express his ability. Number one, he is, he is omnipotent. Can you say omnipotent? Omnipotent is an attribute exclusively held by God. No one else can, can boast about this phenomenal flawless character 
and it is essential in making him the perfect being. We say omnipotent, omnipotent is our God. But we should not take it lightly. We must reflect each time we say that. Therefore, he is able to do everything in harmony with his wise and holy and perfect nature. Oh, yes, he is omnipotent, all right. The second character trait would be he is omnipresent. We used to say years ago in the telephone company that the telephone was ubiquitous. That meant that there was a telephone everywhere, all over. You couldn't go anywhere, even into to some of the darkest parts of the earth and couldn't find a telephone. God himself is truly ubiquitous. This too is an attribute of God and God alone. This means that God is free from the laws of limitations of space. No, no boundary. We can't corner God. We, we can't put a, a muzzle on him. He just exists. He just survives. He is ubiquitous in every sense of time and space. Everywhere at the same time. And then the third flawless character here that we can attribute to the Lord is that he is omniscient. This divine attribute is reserved only again for the Lord. This means that God has perfect knowledge. He knows our downsitting, our uprising. He, he knows those things that he would bring forth to us. He knows what we are trying to know and some things he knows that we will never know because he reserved the right not to impart those things unto us because he is God. He is God. He knows things before and after, and this includes all things that are actual and possible. God knows where you are. Make no mistake about it. God, God know. God, you, you, God know. Where you are, what do you mean, preacher? I mean that what state you're in, where, what situations you are dealing with, your, 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 your circumstances. Sometimes we feel like nobody understands, nobody cares, nobody knows, nobody been where we have been, no one has experienced what we have experienced, but God, can you say God? God knows. It is even incomprehensible to us. And yet it is necessarily in order to affirm our faith in God. There is no eluding him. We can't walk away. We can't skip away. We can't run away. You know, when Saul was called to lead Israel, he ran and hid in the stuff thought that he could get away. He didn't feel necessarily ready to be a leader. He just felt so inadequate. He felt like he had not come into himself. But God knows the time of our destiny. So when Saul was called, he ran and hid. 
A lot of people today, God is calling you and you are perhaps hiding, you're placing yourself in some obscure place thinking that God don't know where you are. But God know exactly where you are. In other words, God know where you at. They told me in English 101, you don't use a preposition at behind a sentence. But God knows where you at. He knows your station in life. And when Gideon was called to lead the children of Israel, God called him. And he was over behind the wine press. And he thought he had gotten away. He thought... He had gotten out of his leadership destiny. And when God sent for him, Gideon showed up and said, Why me? For I am the least in my father's house. I have other qualified brothers who can carry the torch and the banner. Why me? I'm weak, I'm young, I'm inferior, but God will take our inferiority and cause us to be giants in whatever he calls and ordained us to be. We don't have to be inferior because we are Christians. We don't have to feel like we are less than anybody else. In fact, we are more. We are the children of the kingdom. We're children of God. David was attending his father's sheep when God touched him and touched his heart and said, I need you, son, although you are a teenage boy, but I need you because there's a big giant out there. He is walking around intimidating everybody. Even your brothers, your older brothers, he has kept them at bay. Therefore, I need you, son. And David couldn't hardly figure out, Lord, why me? Sometimes we think with the job that we're doing, with the functions that we are carrying out, that nobody sees us. And sometimes, you know, we can have a pity party and say, nobody sees us. I'm working hard. I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm over here in an obscure area and no one seems to know what I'm doing. But, but I want to tell you, God sees what you do. God knows your heart. He, he, he knows your, 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 your adequacy. He, he knows, he feels where you are going. So they call David and say, come and help us. And this big nasty giant of Gath, Goliath, was walking around trying to pick a fight for days and days. But David, the little shepherd boy, came out of nowhere. Let me tell you what, you may think that you've been lost in the shuffle, you may think that you've been lost somewhere in the wood pile, but when God get ready for you, when God get ready to bless you, when God get ready to promote you, when God get ready to take you to another level, when God get ready to exalt you, he'll find you. He'll find you. You don't have to complain and work. Just work, 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 work while it is day. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and your time will come. So here we are today in this wonderful story. Here we are, David. 
You understand, David understood what his decisions were long before now. David realized that he was going to be a blessing to his friend, Jonathan. Now we know the story, we knew of the relationship, we knew how David and Jonathan were closer, and even their souls were amalgamated together. And this union came about because of a jealous father, a jealous father of Jonathan. You remember they were coming home from the war and having fought the Philistines and that it was coming down the street, this tremendous parade was in place and the ladies came out to praise the warriors and they cried out to themselves and they cried aloud, said David kill his 10,000 and Saul killed his thousand. And that from that day ignited hostility in the heart of Saul because this young David, Saul being the king, nobody should outbattle the king. And from that day on, he decided to take David's life and he haunted him from one end of the country to the other. He laid awake at night trying to find ways to kill David. But Saul's son, Jonathan, who loved David, this was a friendship. He protected him. He, he warned him of uh, incoming danger. I tell you what, friends are something good to have. As I, uh, you know, walking as I lived every day, I found out that friends are invaluable. I found out that true friends, I mean, I'm not talking about friends in your face. I'm not talking about friends or your friends when you have something to give them. I'm talking about friends who will be there when the going get rough. Friends, when everybody else is criticizing you, everybody else is downing you, everybody else is talking you down. You may have made mistakes, you may have committed errors, you may have done some wrong, but that friend will be there. Friend, the stick is closer than a brother. That friend that is born for adversity let me get through with this so at this particular time during this particular time in the scripture David remember the commitment he made to Jonathan he remembered this commitment and David came after Jonathan had died even after his father Saul had died and many of the patriots who walked along with them had fallen to sleep but David did not forget his commitment I say he did not forget his commitment David came and said is there yet any that's left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake you know, I mean, that, that, that warms my heart. That, that touched me, church, because David did not forget 
He did not forget how Jonathan saved his life. He did not forget how that they were walking some of those lonely roads and living some of those lonely nights. And David came to the point now. David is the king. And he came to a place and he was asking and inquiring. He said, is there anybody that's left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? Kindness for Jonathan's sake. And one of the servants there of the house of Saul whose name was Zippa. And when they called Zippa, he stood before the king. And the king asked Zippa, is there any ancestors or is there any people who are left who were a part of the lineage of Saul? And Zippa said, oh king, I think there is somebody. I believe there is somebody left in the family. And Saul said, well, I'd like to find him. And just where is he? And they said, well, he is down in Misher's house. Now listen, church. And his name was Mephibosheth. And I want you to know that the Bible just told us that Mephibosheth was down in Lodibar. Now let me tell you something. God just knows wherever we are. This, this man was down in Lodibar. And we all know what Lodibar means. It means a desolate place. But David said, send for him and bring him to me. So they went down to get Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth was lame as a baby. He was dropped during a Syrian war and both of his legs had became impaired. So he was lame but this lame man who was gone away out in obscurity this lame man who had dropped out of sight this lame man who other folk had forgotten God spoke to David to remember him for his father's sake they went to get him and brought him to the king and King David said oh Mephibosheth I got a present for you in your father's day he stuck by me he helped me he was a true friend and now I'm gonna bless you son you don't have to worry no more you don't have to cry anymore you don't have to beg anymore you don't have to want anymore because I'm going to get you everything that you need just for your father's sake I come to tell you church the good deeds that we do today many times 
we are planting seeds for our children. The good things we do today, the seeds that we are planting today will be a harvest for our children. So I beseech you to dig deep and plant those good seeds. I beseech you to do good while you can. I beseech you to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul. And David said to him, I'm going to bless you. But listen now, I'm going to take him out of this pit. I'm going to take him out of the hood. I'm going to take him out of the ghetto situation. And I'm going to give you a seat at my table. You can sit at my table for the rest of your life. And I want you to know there will be servants who will take care of your father's business. I said all of that just to say this. Things may look gloomy now. Just keep the faith. Your day will come. There may be some Mephibosheth in the house today who feel a cast out, who feel you've been cast away. But God, God has not forgotten you. Oh, children of God, you got to walk circumspectly. You got to talk real good talk. You have to fight the good fight of faith. After a while, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord will reward you. He knows where you are. He knows how you feel. He knows how you've been rejected. He knows how you've been talked about. He knows how you've been built and scarred. He knows the disappointment. He knows the backsit. And he knows that you have gotten somewhere in a corner and decided, I'm not going to work anymore. But I want to tell you to keep on working. And if you're working, if you're working and seem like nothing is happening, I want to exhort you to keep on working. Keep on fighting. Keep on working. Keep on doing great things. Keep on pushing. Keep on moving up the King's Highway. Keep on praying. Keep on coming to church. Keep on supporting the ministry. Keep on loving our leader. Keep on loving each other. Keep on praying for your enemy. Keep on praying for those who despitefully use you. Keep on praying for those who have lied on you. Keep on praying for your neighbor who won't speak to you. Keep on, keep on, keep, keep on keeping on. And the Lord will reward you sooner or later. And I believe in this house, it's going to be sooner. Can you say sooner? Sooner! Come on, people of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everyone stand.